Hey, this is Jim, pastor of Decided Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for listening. We hope the sermon you're about to hear just blesses your heart and really encourages you. If you don't mind, subscribe. That way you'll get instant notifications every time a sermon is uploaded. And by all means, if you're feeling led to give, click on the giving link and there'll be more directions to follow. God bless. Enjoy the message. Amen. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Did that bless you? Man, I can't, I can't really get over that song. Um, that's the first time we've ever done that one, too. I know we're springing a lot of new ones on you, but there's just so much good stuff out there. We can't help it. We can't stop. Can't stop, won't stop. So I hope that that song painted a picture for you. I know it did for me. It, it kind of sets everything in alignment, like what's actually going to happen? What, what are those emotions that I'm going to feel one day when the fathers welcome me, welcoming me a prodigal and, and, and throwing all of us a party? If you claim the name of Jesus this morning, if you've come up under his blood and you've recognized your sin, the error of your way, and you confess that, the Father is waiting for you. He's welcoming you. This is your homecoming. Salvation is for you. You don't have to clean up. You don't have to act right. You, there's no amount of good works that could stack up to impress God. Just come to him as you are. He wants you just the way you are, and he'll take it from there. Amen? Oh, so good. So good. Well, we are in week chapter three of our series guest list, and I'm so glad you joined me for this one because it's, this is going to be a good one. This is a good story. This, the, the, the 10 people we're going to uncover today, they're, they're unnamed. Again, they're unidentified. They're, they're the forgotten occupants of the Bible, the UFOs of the Bible. But they mean so much to me because I've learned from them. And, I've, and, and, and this one's personal for me because the, the lessons that we're going to learn from our story this morning are, are things that I struggle with, things that I have a hard time with. So this message is for me. You're, you're welcome to join me. You're welcome to open your Bible and participate. But this one, Josh, this one I'm preaching to me. So if, if you want to join in and, and glean some things, you're welcome to. But I've got a lot to learn from this sermon this morning from Luke chapter 17. I, have, I think I've mentioned this before, but I have a hard time vacationing. Any of y'all like that? That just, you have, you're, you're going so fast and so far Monday through Friday that when you do get a time to break, when you do get time to press pause and just relax, you're like, I don't, I don't know what to do with my hands. Like, I don't know what, I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm not really made to sit back in a beach chair and watch the waves like I, I, I appreciate the beauty of it, but I can't really do that for hours on end. I have a hard time with that. I'd much rather, that's why I'm kind of a mountains guy, because in the mountains, at least you can go hiking, climb. Right, Levi? He likes the mountains. He just went on the mountains um, on an anniversary trip, right? Happy anniversary to you and Megan. Uh, so I like the mountains because there's stuff to do, right? But I have a hard time vacationing because... Ultimately, what I've learned is life doesn't slow down. First, you get married, and you're like, ah, I've made it. And then you have a kid, the kid that you prayed for, the one that you really wanted, right? And you have one kid, and you're like, ah, I've arrived, you know? And then three more happen, and you're like, oh, my gosh, what did I do? <laughs> I had three too many. Don't tell them, but I had three too many. I'm just kidding. And so life doesn't slow down, does it, parents? 
and then the, the full-time jobs and the stuff, and, and it's just going to accumulate and build, and then you got sports teams and little leagues and school, and then they graduate, and then college, and then grandkids, and it just keeps piling up. Life does not slow down. It just keeps ramping up and ramping up, and just when you thought you were stretched to the ultimate stretch point, you're stretched again. And then when you do, when you do want to, when you do get like one weekend to press pause or slow down, everybody's obsessed with the hustle, with the growth, with scaling, with leadership, especially if you're in business or anything like that, you're constantly, that's, that's occupying your mind is just the hustle of life and, and personal growth and development. We're obsessed with it as a culture, as an American culture, we're obsessed with hustle. We're obsessed with scaling and, and development. And there, there's nothing necessarily wrong with those. I'm not up here condemning your business plan by any means, but I'm just saying if, if you want to pause, you have to intentionally stop it, don't you? If you ever do want to go on vacation or, or take a break, you have to intentionally pump the brakes and say, okay, I'm stopping, I'm putting up boundaries, I'm not taking work to vacation with me. It's a hard thing. And, and as we're, just spiritually speaking, we're entering a new season at the church. We're entering a spiritual journey in just a few weeks as a church. And there's a lot of anticipation building and there's a lot of excitement, but God's stirring something different in me. For me, God's stirring up this sense of, I want you to be still and I want you to be grateful. I want you to have gratitude. Do you know that something I learned this week, that gratitude is God's built-in rest season for your life? Where am I going to find rest? Where am I going to find a pause? Where am I going to find a break? God's got it for you. It's actually gratitude. Gratitude is God's built-in self-care system, self-management system, rest season. That's that is what gratitude is to be for the believer. And so we're going to talk about gratitude today um, in Luke chapter 17. Why don't you stand with me? We're going to read verses 11 through 19. You can follow along with me on the screens behind me or read along in your copy of God's Word. Starting in Luke chapter 17, verse 11, we have a beautiful story here. It says, on the way to Jerusalem, he, that's Jesus, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. We know about leprosy, don't we? Talked about it two weeks ago. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. This morning, 
these unnamed occupants of the Bible teach me that there are two very distinct ways to approach God's gracious healing in our lives. And although all, all ten were probably feeling somewhat grateful, only one returned. And that one man, he teaches us three beautiful things about gratefulness that I want to spend time on this morning. So let's pray and get started. Jesus, thank you so much for being that father to a bunch of us prodigals who, who you were waiting, you were anticipating us on the horizon. And as soon as you saw us, God, in our mess and our filthiness, with our agendas, thinking we were going to come back and work for you, thinking we were going to come back and somehow impress you, by putting in a lot of hard work along with the servants, no, you said you can come back, but you're going to come back as my son. You're going to come back, and you're going to receive a ring and a robe. You're going to come back, and we're going to throw you a party. That is grace. That is healing. That is mercy. That is nourishment to our souls. And I pray that this morning, whatever our situation looks like, that if we have returned to the Father, that this morning we would take time to remember what that long walk felt like. And maybe someone here this morning hasn't made that walk. They're getting pretty close to getting fed up with their current situation. They're getting pretty close to giving up on themselves and saying, God, I got to give you a chance. So I pray for that individual that this would be the nudge that they need to say, I'm going home. I need you, Jesus. I've been trying this long enough on my own and I can't do it. I pray for that one this morning that they would run into the love and grace of Jesus and never be the same because of it. Thank you for this church body. Thank you for teaching us from your word in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. All right, number one, we, we've got three beautiful lessons on gratefulness. All 10 felt grateful. All 10 were healed. Only one returned. So he's got a couple things to say to us in this text about gratefulness. Number one, what he would have to say is only an obedient heart can be a grateful heart. Only an obedient heart can be grateful. Did you notice in verse 14 that Jesus, when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourself to the priest. Did you know that Jesus was not even able to get close to him? Jesus, in fact, didn't lay hands on him, Josh. He didn't do, like sometimes he would walk up right to the person and he would lay hands on them or, or maybe even rub mud in their eyes. We might learn about that next week. But this time, Jesus doesn't even approach them because, well, he couldn't. He could have, but he chose not to. From a distance, as they were dirty, filthy lepers, skin crawling with disease, from a distance, all he says is, he doesn't even, he doesn't even say they're healed. He doesn't say, your situation is going to turn out better. He just says, go show yourself to the priest. He required obedience before the healing. He required that they take a step of faith and obey his voice without seeing any change in their circumstance. And maybe, just maybe, if they obeyed, they would be healed. That's a very important lesson for us about gratefulness. Only an obedient heart can be a grateful heart. Would you be willing to go before you were healed? Put yourself in these leper's shoes. 
I wonder how many of us would be willing to act on what God told us, even if he didn't promise to change our current situation. Even if we didn't have all the answers up front. Even if we didn't have the spreadsheet and the finances worked out. If he said go, would be willing to go and trust him for the details? Would we trust him for the provision? Would you be willing to go without knowing? Martin Luther King always described faith as taking a step without seeing the whole staircase, right? Another way to describe faith is obeying the promises of God. They're promises because maybe we haven't fully understood them or maybe those promises haven't blessed us yet in a real way, but they would if we would obey what his word told us to. God, if you'll give me that nice promotion, I'll start tithing. I'll have capacity to, see? God, if you'll rearrange my schedule and enlighten my load, then I'll start serving in church. God, if you'll restore my broken relationship, I'll put the work in to make sure I maintain it. But what if God just saying go? What if God's asking you to tithe without the provision for now? What if God's asking you to serve even though you may not feel like you have capacity. Maybe God's asking you to put the work in to maintain the relationship that hasn't even been restored yet. See, what if God's asking you as one of these 10 lepers to go show yourself to the priest? I want you to act like everything's perfectly fine. And while you're obedient, I will heal you. While you are moving, the miracle will happen. While you're in the process of obeying, I will orchestrate divine intervention for you. While we're busy praying for the healings, the miracles, and the breakthrough, God's busy asking you to obey. He's like, I want to do the miracle. I want to do the thing, right? God, do, us, do the things and the stuff, right? Break the bread, multiply, feed 5,000. We keep praying and insisting that God bless us, meet us, heal us, save us. And he's saying, I would if you'd go, just go. Obey my calling, obey my voice. I'll provide on the way. I'm God. I got this. I can heal you on the way. It's called faith. In fact, it's impossible to please God without it. You can't be grateful for a healing that didn't happen because you never heeded his voice. The one condition for healing is obedience. The one condition for that healing, that breakthrough, that miracle that you're so desperate to see in your life, the one condition is obedience. Only an obedient heart, this one leper that returned, he would say to us, only an obedient heart can be a grateful heart. We would never get to experience the gratitude of being restored if we hadn't have gone like Jesus told us to go. That one leper is here to tell us, I would, I would never have had the opportunity to turn around and worship at Jesus' feet if I wasn't first obedient without the breakthrough. Number two, he would tell us only an expressive heart can share gratitude. Only an expressive heart can share Gratitude. This is so crucial. Look at what happened in verse 15. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, in other words, he, would, he had already turned and, and gone to the priest. He was already being obedient. And then he saw that his skin was restored. He saw the healing take place after he was obedient. And then you see what happens. He, he turned back 
he turned back, he praised God with a loud voice. Verse 16 says, he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Only an expressive heart can share gratitude. 10 lepers obeyed in faith, but only one was grateful. 10 lepers obeyed what Jesus commanded them to do, but only one was grateful because only one expressed gratitude. Did you know that unexpressed gratitude is not gratitude? Unexpressed thankfulness isn't thankfulness. By definition, gratitude and thankfulness must be expressed. Only an expressive heart can share gratitude. I'm sure all 10 felt a tinge of thankfulness. I'm sure all of them were like, oh, dang, look at this, fresh skin. But they were so preoccupied with what was next. They were so preoccupied with the hustle. Got to show myself to the priest. Got to spend seven days in confinement. Then I got to bring my sacrifice. And then the, the priest has got to check me out again. And then I have to bring another sacrifice. And if all that goes well, then I'm supposed to shave my head, shave my eyebrows, shave everything. Yeah, it's in there. And they didn't have nair either shave everything and then after another seven day waiting period they were finally able to rejoin society and i'm sure a little part of those nine lepers that didn't return said man this is going to be inconvenient this healing that i've been asking for my whole life is really going to throw a wrench in my schedule but one one that happened to be a samaritan returned and said you know what jesus i can't help but be grateful unexpressed gratitude isn't gratitude. It's one thing to feel thankful in your heart for someone or something, but how often do we let it die there? If you think it, say it. Anything less is robbing someone of a blessing. Gratitude, this, this one leper that returned, he would tell us that gratitude is out loud. Did you know that? Verse 15 says, he praised God with a loud voice. Gratitude has to be out loud. Gratitude has to be shared. And you know why gratitude is out loud? It's because gratitude doesn't care what other people think. Gratitude doesn't care about fear or shame getting in the way. Gratitude is not moved by peer pressure. Gratitude is saying, Jesus, I'm so undone by what you've accomplished in my life. I don't care. I can't help it. I'm going to be grateful. I'm so blessed by this healing. I've got to be grateful. I've got to tell somebody. I've got to worship at Jesus' feet. Gratitude is out loud. And I love that perspective of being a leper. He would have known what it would mean to shout out loud, wouldn't he? As a leper, he was used to using his loud voice only before it was to warn people to stay away. Right? He had to cry out, Jesus, save us, heal us, or, or it was unclean, unclean. So he was used to using that loud voice, but so many times in his life, his voice was a condemnation. Now for the first time, his voice could be used as gratitude, as an instrument of praise, as the ability to give back to God. Did you know that you can rob God of worship? Only one tithed in this passage. Only one came back and tithed his worship. Like we just sang about in the song, it's, it's his breath, right? Every breath we take is his. Every, 
every noise that we have the ability to make with our mouth is only a gift from him. Don't rob God of his tithe of worship. It's not all about money. You can rob God of worship. Who gets the majority of your playlist time, right? Who gets the majority of your car ride time? Who gets the majority of your brain capacity when you're thinking? Who, are you more consumed and busy with griping and complaining and whining about your current state of affairs, griping, whining, complaining about uh, your relationships or the economy or whatever's going wrong in your life? How about tithe some worship and see what happens? Only one came back to tithe his worship. He, he, he refused to rob God of credit where credit was due. How moved are you this morning that God saved you and changed you? See, this man was so moved that it caused him to stop, turn directions, and run back the other way. And not only did he cry out with loud praises, the Bible also says that he bowed, he fell down at the feet of Jesus and worshiped. Previously, he would have never been able to do that. This was the closest he'd ever been to Jesus. This, was, this might have been the closest he'd ever been to any human, ever at all. And the first person he was able to get close to, close enough to bow down at his feet and worship him was Jesus, the one who healed him. How close are you to Jesus this morning? You know you've been brought near. Did you know just like this leper, Ephesians 2 says that we once were aliens? It says, remember, in verse 12 of chapter 2, remember that, uh, that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But look at verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you once were, who were far off have been brought near by what? Blood of Jesus. That gets me fired up. That gets me fired up because I was the leper. I was the one unsaved, unclean, having to use my voice, having to use my mouth to cry out unclean. You can't come near. But because of the saving and healing power of Jesus, he brought me near. And it is a privilege to bow at his feet in worship. It, it stirs up thankfulness in my heart to be able to draw that close to where I could touch the feet of Jesus and worship there. How moved are you by your saving and healing this morning? Are you moved enough to draw near? He, he made it possible. He brought you near by the blood of Jesus. He says that you're welcome now. You can, you can come close. There's no fear. There's no shame. There's no condemnation. Draw near. You can bow down at my feet and worship. Only an expressive heart can share gratitude. Gratitude should always point you away from you and towards someone else. Gratitude is never, hey, look, look at what I've done, but always look at what he's done. I can't help but come away from this one leper and think we ought to be worshiping a little bit louder, right? I mean, he used his loudest voice possible. I'm sure he was used to losing this loud voice to keep people away, but I think it was, I don't know about you, but I just get the sense that it was up a couple decibels when he was worshiping Jesus that saved him and brought him near. Don't you think he worshiped a little louder than he had cried out unclean before? I think so, and that convicts me that our worship ought to be a little bit louder if we really truly believe that what Jesus said is true. If he really did heal us and save us and change us and make it possible for us to draw near to God on behalf of his blood, I ought to worship a little bit louder. 
I ought to be convicted to press pause on whatever agenda I've got going on and like this leper, turn around and give praise. Unexpressed gratitude isn't gratitude. Number three, this leper would tell us only an understanding heart can desire gratitude. Let's review. Only an obedient heart can experience gratitude. Only an expressive heart can share gratitude. And only an understanding heart can desire gratitude. Look at how Jesus ends out the story in verse 17. Then Jesus answered, we're not 10 cleansed. Where are the nine? Where are the nine? That's a convicting question this morning. Where are the nine? Are you a worship robber? Are you, are you robbing God of his tithes that are due in worship? Not just with your money. We'll cover that another Sunday. I'm talking about worship this morning. Don't rob God of his breath. He can take it away anytime he pleases. Only an understanding heart can desire gratitude. Jesus asks, where are the nine? And then he gives some very insightful comments. He says, was no one found to return and give praise except this foreigner? And at the end of verse 16, we see that Jesus says, this is a Samaritan. So the other nine must have been Jews by default. Because Jesus doesn't segregate them into an own category. All he says, all he speaks to is the identity of the one that was unnamed unidentified that returned and that guy was a Samaritan so these other nine must have been Jews and the other nine must have felt pretty deserving or entitled for their healing they must have felt a little bit deserving of their miracle I want to describe the nine a little bit for you because they they paint a completely different picture of gratitude than the one they might have felt a little tinge of thankfulness but not enough to move them to express it the nine, they must have felt a little apathetic, maybe a little religious. Maybe they already had status. Maybe they almost expected Jesus to heal them. And like I already shared, this is, you don't have to adopt this viewpoint, but I have the viewpoint that these nine almost felt like their healing was a little inconvenient. Oh gosh, now I've got to go do the seven days in confinement thing. And who knows where I'm going to get two turtle doves. And then I've got to shave all of my hair. It's all, I almost get the sense that these other nine, these Jewish religious nine, felt almost a little bit of immediate remorse once they were healed because now they had to do all the things. All the things that the law demanded after showing yourself to the priest. Pretty sad. How many times does God bless us with what we're asking for? He comes through for us and we treat his blessing like trash. We just, we, we presume upon his goodness and we go right back to life as normal. How dare us? How dare we who have been saved and changed and healed and forever brought in by the Father continue life as usual, right? Don't you think that's kind of a slap in his face? Don't you think that God's like, where are my tithers? Where, are, where is my worship? We, we understand the heart of Jesus in this passage that he desires our grateful hearts in return. Don't be one of the nine. The, 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 the haunting question for me in this passage is, where are the nine? Where are the nine? 
I pray that God couldn't even find nine people in this room who refused to give him gratitude by the end of this service. I pray that God couldn't even find five people by the end of the service who aren't singing that last song like you really believe it and mean it and are changed by it. Don't be a worship robber. The nine. And then the one who returned was a foreigner. God calls him a Samaritan. And I don't want you to miss the significance of this and we're done. Jesus told all 10 to go show themselves to the priest and all 10 obeyed. All 10 obeyed, including this man, the Samaritan. Now think about that. This man obeyed knowing that ultimate obedience was unattainable. This one man who was a Samaritan foreigner obeyed Jesus's voice, even though he knew as a Samaritan, he could never get into that temple. As a Samaritan, he wasn't allowed to go show himself to the priest, but he obeyed anyway. He turned and went on his way just like the other nine, and he was healed in the process, even though I'm sure he thought in the back of his head, well, I'm not going to be healed like these other nine because I don't have the ability to show myself to a Jewish priest. I can't even get in the temple. In fact, the very word foreigner used here was etched in limestone on the dividing wall in the temple. The very name that Jesus calls him in this passage was the label on the walls of the temple that said, you, foreigner, stay out. You're not allowed in the outer courtyard. And then if you do trespass upon Jewish holy ground, it was punishable by death. That was the dividing wall of hostility. In fact, let's go back to Ephesians. It tells us right there in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, it's the very next verse. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh, what? The dividing wall of hostility. That dividing wall had this joker's name on it. That was a dividing wall of hostility. He was not allowed to obey Jesus, but he went anyway. What faith. I'm just moved by that faith that he would obey Jesus even though he knew. I don't know, I don't know how this day is going to end for me. I might be cleansed of leprosy or I might die because it's impossible for me to carry out the command of Jesus all the way. I'm not allowed in there. And I think that's what made him thankful. I think that's why he stopped and returned. Because even though he knew he couldn't go show himself, he was healed just like the rest. He had to come back and say thank you because he probably didn't expect to be healed. And then Jesus says, I love the kindness and the grace of Jesus in verse 19. And he said to him, rise and go your way. <laughs> Joker, you, ain't, you don't need to go to the temple. You couldn't get in there anyway. Come on. I'm sure Jesus might have even chuckled like, I got gotcha. you. You obeyed me anyway, you fool. You can't get into the temple. But he was testing his faith, and that one, that one Samaritan foreigner came back to give thanks. And he and he alone received ultimate healing that day. Did you catch it? Jesus says, rise, your faith has made you well. Paul, that's not talking about leprosy. That one is talking about a spiritual healing. That one is talking about salvation, John. That one is saying, I know you came to me about your skin, but I came to you about your sin, and I've healed all of it. You can go away with brand new skin. You can go away with a brand new life, a brand new identity. In fact, you don't even have to go back to the temple. Just go on home. Go on your way. Your faith has made you well. This message is simple today. I'm extremely bad at this. 
But my question for me, my question for you is, have you ever stopped to turn around? You know? Do you ever stop? Do you ever press pause on your busy life? Do you ever consider that the hustle might not be where God is? Do you ever consider that your busy schedule and life's demands, and I know, I know, I'm a father of four, I get it, it's demanding, and it is busy, but do you ever take time to turn around? Not to, not to turn around and look at what all Jim's done, but to turn around and look at what all he's done for you. You know what I learned this week is that you can't be grateful on the way. You cannot be grateful on the way. You cannot be grateful in the hustle. You cannot truly be grateful in the grind. You cannot truly be grateful as you're moving, scaling, developing, right? Pure gratitude is the action of stopping and turning around to go back. It's the opposite of progress. It's the opposite of perceived hustle. It's the opposite of scaling and developing and growing. Gratitude is your built-in rest season. Do you ever stop to turn around? Worship the Father. It really is self-care. It really is your built-in rest season, and it's personal, you know? Because only when you stop and turn around and worship the Father does He give you the perspective to see that where you are was the dream. Am I talking to anybody today? Where you are is the dream. Don't forget that this is the dream. The life you're living right now is the dream that you prayed for and longed for, for your life. And I know, like, trust me, I'm caught up in it right now presently. Building plans, land plans, development, growing, all the stuff we have going on in this journey as a church is exciting and I'm full of anticipation. But you know, I'm missing out on a huge thing. I'm robbing God of my tithe of worship if I don't press the brakes, if I don't pump the brakes and realize that standing in this room with all of you was the dream. This was what I prayed for. What's happening right now was the dream that I stood right about where Leslie was and I thought, how in the world are we going to fill this room with people? Not only that, how are we going to um, pay the mortgage? There's a thing called mortgage. I don't know, I don't know how to spell it. I'm, ignorance is bliss. I don't know how to spell it and I do it. But there's a thing called mortgage that we have to pay every month to be in this building. And we walked in. <laughs> amen. Amen to that. See, that's gratitude too. But I wonder, I, I know it might not impact you the same way as it does me, like walking into this building and, and just being here. But think, go to that place in your life. What is that dream for you? For me, it's walking the trails back here behind the church. For me, it's standing in here on a Sunday morning surrounded by dozens of people for prayer time. This was the dream. It wasn't that long ago that I was praying and I was longing for where we are now. Paid off building multiple services. I mean, come on. 
It wasn't that long ago that I was the one praying to be married. I, I longed for a family one day. I prayed to have sons that I could raise into men. I prayed for my kids. And now when the hustle and the busyness of life and, and they're doing all the wrong things and they're not obeying what I say, I forget that they were the dream. Who am I talking to this morning? This, uh, what I'm doing now is the dream. Four kids, a wife, a family, a house, land. Guys, I got blessed. I married my wife and got 11 acres of land with it. <laughs> you need to pray bigger prayers is all I know to say. Pray bigger, pray bigger, bolder prayers. My wife came with 11 acres. Do better, like pray more. But what, what I'm trying to instill in us is that I know we're on the edge, right? We're on the cusp of exciting things. And you might be there individually. But as a church, if you're in this room, I'm talking to us as a church. I'm talking to family members. You know, we're on the edge of something. It's getting ready to kick off. And this is not the launch of it, although it kind of feels like it. This is not the launch of anything. But I would just encourage you, and I'm encouraging me, that we could find time to turn around that although we'll be in a different building one day and we'll have more people and newer, fancier things, I pray that God would never look at us at 1017 Bickley Road and say, where did my nine go? Where did my nine go? How dare they rob me of my worship? How dare they rob me of that gratitude that I owe them? It's personal. It's personal. I hope that you can look at your life this morning and remember a time when where you are now is where you dreamed of being. And you'll only gain that perspective if you can stop, turn around, run back to the feet of Jesus, and thank him. Number one, with a loud voice. Number two, with a worshipful voice. You know what I mean? Worship, gratitude is out loud and gratitude is worship. Let's give God the praise he's due this morning. Let's give God the gratitude, the worship, the credit that is due to his name. He found us where we were and he changed our lives. He found us in the miry pits of clay and sin and he brought us up out of that and he put our feet on a what? He put our feet on a rock, on a firm foundation. Let's give him praise. Every head bowed, every eye closed. The invitation is simple this morning. For me and for you, the question Jesus is asking is, where are the nine? Where are my nine? <laughs> he healed 10. And he desired a choir of 10 voices to sing praises back to him. It was a choir of one and it was a beautiful voice. But he asked, where are the nine? Has God saved you? Has God changed you? Do you realize that you were the Samaritan leper, the foreigner who was not allowed to get close to the standard and perfection that God demands? You were kept outside of his presence. There was a dividing wall of hostility. But because Jesus came, Jesus came and he died for us. He shed his blood in our place. He paid the ultimate sacrifice. 
He was buried. He rose again the third day. And he's saying, I made the way. I, I tore down that dividing wall of hostility and I made it possible for you to come near. You who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. Have you come home? Have you come home? Are you the prodigal who's just a step away of saying, I'm, <laughs> I'm hanging this up. I've tried to hustle so hard. I've tried to work my way to God. I've been trying to live the right kind of life. I've been trying to clean up my life and I just can't do it in my own strength. Jesus' call to you this morning is, just come on home. I, I, I'll take you just as you are. Just come just like that. You don't have to clean up, dress up, do better. I want you just as you are. Come to me broken and I will mend you. Come to me sick and I will heal you. Come to me as a leper with all of your spots and I'll wash them white as snow. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you this morning and you're just one step away from coming home, can you, will you take that step this morning? Maybe just say something like this, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm separated from you. But today I believe in Jesus. I believe the blood that was shed on my behalf and I'm coming home. I'm coming home to my father. I'm gonna let you do the work. I've tried hard enough and I, I'm tired. I'm tired, I'm coming home. I want you to take over. I want you to change my life. I want you to be my savior. If that's you today with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just slip up your hand and say, I'm coming home. No one's looking around, no one's gonna call you out. Yes, ma'am, I see that hand. Anybody else say, I'm coming home. So I see that hand over there. Yes, praise God. Anybody else say, I'm coming home. I've tried hard enough. I'm gonna ask you if you raised your hand, just quietly get up out of your seat and head straight to the back because there's someone here that wants to pray with you. And I know it can be nerve wracking to get up and, and, and leave your row and, and move people aside to try to get back, but I promise you, you won't regret it. If you just make your way to the back and pray with somebody, they want to wrap their arms around you and encourage you and the decision that you just made. Don't delay, don't deny the convicting of the Holy Spirit. He's drawing you to himself. You move. And then for you, Christian, I wonder if anybody else like me feels convicted that I'm not giving God the worship, the gratitude that he deserves, that in the midst of my hustle, I don't take the season of rest that gratitude is. I don't take advantage of remembering that where I am now is the dream. This was the ultimate goal not long ago. If that's you this morning, you're like, yep, that's, that's me. I've, I've got to be more grateful. I've got to give God. I've got to tithe my worship. Where I am now is the dream. Would you just slip up your hand? Yep, that's me. I got to have a grateful heart. I haven't come, I haven't come near to the feet of Jesus and given him the praise he deserves. I'm going to ask that you, if that was you, Christian, during this last song, you've got two assignments. You better raise your voice and worship and give God his tithe in his house. Number two, if you feel led to move, I want you to come forward, kneel down at this altar, or just come forward and praise. But you better get after it, Christian brother or sister. We have worship. We have gratitude to express. Because only an obedient heart can experience gratitude. 
Only an expressive heart can share gratitude. Only an understanding heart can desire gratitude. That's me this morning. This is my dream. This is the ultimate goal, and I praise God for it. God, we bless your name. We lift up your name, Hosanna. We lift you up. We bow down before you, and we praise you for the healing that has come on our behalf, the saving that has happened on our behalf, the welcoming home that you've issued for us. And God, we're going to praise with a loud voice this morning. We're going to pray with a worshipful voice this morning. God, you and you alone only deserve the credit for our life, for our breath, for where we are, for our families, for our blessings, for a roof over our head, for the ability to get up and put two feet on the ground every day, for a full-time job, for providing for our every need and then some. God, turn our hearts to be grateful this morning. Let us look into your loving face and take pause and worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Would you stand and let's sing to the Father. <laughs>